Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Rugby Rewind podcast. Up to double digits now, reached big number 10. And what better way to celebrate it but by bringing in one of Northland's greatest battlers. I mean, an outside back, war headgear, goal kicked. And as we mentioned, he played for Northland. So what more do you need? We've got Lockie Munro on the pod. Hey guys, thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's bloody great to have you, mate. I know there's a few fans over here that are a big fan of yours. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I left New Zealand, but I'm um, still battling away. Uh, true definition, now I'm in like the fourth division here in France and uh, still kicking the ball around. Had a game last night and then came home on the bus overnight. So happy to be here, happy to have a chat. Yeah, I Excellent. mean, that alone is story of battlers, like playing a game at three or four in the afternoon, getting the bus back, arriving at two in the morning, like things you don't see in Kiwi footy. Yeah, well, it's actually like really... It's really common here in France. You play your game. The game will, um, especially the pro stuff, will kick off like around 8 or 9 o'clock even at night. And then uh, you'll get on a bus about midnight, bus through the night, get home about 7 a.m. But, um, yeah, the thing with us, what we're semi-pro, we actually go back to training tonight, Monday night, for our first, <laughs> for our start of our week as well. So wow. I don't I don't usually look forward to Monday afternoon where you've got to get your boots back on and go out there. But part of the part of the job, I guess. It's toughening, that's for sure. Mm. Interesting. All right. What sort of um, what sort of sort of stadiums and facilities are there at that level? What's you know what are your crowd sizes, for example? I'd say the crowds. I mean, comparing it to when I was playing with um, Graham McCarlton in Auckland, like we used to get pretty good numbers down there when our team was playing well to watch, and the numbers are like a little bit bigger. Like you'll get maybe like five hundred people to a thousand for the big games, like the rivalry games across town and that sort of thing. But in general, probably just like club crowds, and a lot of the time you're on the bus and. Maybe you might have had an away game and you lose the game and you're coming back on the bus. You're like, how is this my job? Like, who's paying me to do this? This is crazy. It's um, yeah. obviously thankful for that. And uh, yeah, I've been in France 10 years now. It's my 10th season in France. So just really enjoying it over here. And wow, basically nice. everything, everything France has to offer um, rugby-wise is uh, is amazing because there's so many clubs. You can just bounce around and find clubs all over the place. And like I've done an amazing trip around France, finding different clubs and different areas. And so I know I know so much of the country from that. And just um, yeah, true battler, feeling great, uh, really feeling really thankful for how this career's gone over here. Because uh, yeah, it's been amazing. Have you got a favourite side you've turned out for over there? <clears throat> I don't know. Like I I had a few stops. I stayed, I played in Bordeaux initially when I came across, which was a top fourteen side and. Didn't get too many opportunities. When I did, I sort of didn't play my best. I came across playing number 10, which I hadn't really done for the few years beforehand with the Blues. So it was a, um, I don't know, it wasn't quite natural for me. I was like trying to push it, but didn't quite get there. And I also found it really hard, the the language barrier when you're trying to command a team. Like the guys that come across and do it straight away, uh, I find pretty staggering because I, I struggled with that. But then after a year or two, of, um, Dan Carter and stuff has struggled going over there to run the cutter. So yeah, yeah, we got like um, like Lima Sobong is now in in Lyon playing great, and he's like you know the language barrier. I don't know how he he's just chopped in and just doing well, which is uh, phenomenal. But yeah, I actually went to Lyon after after Bordeaux, which was a great city. We had a great couple of seasons up there where our team was really dominant in the Pro D two, the second division, and we went up to top fourteen again. And then since then, I just slaved away in the Pro 2 down in Bézier uh, near the coast in the south and then Aix-en-Provence, which is there as well. So I had five years between those two. And then now I've been in um, in Air Kakiran, which is just this fourth division team for the last couple of years. But there's no there's nowhere better than where I am now. The, the weather is phenomenal. 
it's um, obviously I see the semi-pro, so I get the days to spend with the family and we train at night and uh, a bit of the, the French unemployment chômage to keep me um, going as well, which is this weird thing where you, if your salary comes down, then the, the government pays you a little bit of money to keep up your lifestyle basically. So, so it's, uh, yeah, I couldn't say there's anywhere better than where we are now. It's, it's a phenomenal place to live. I mean, yeah, well, it's good unreal. that you've uh, it's good that you've given us a bit of a career background because I was going to do that, but uh, I cannot pronounce your current team, so yeah. I'm very thankful. Yeah. For you that Glad you've done you that. saved us on that one. Even even uh, like I'll say it to people, and people will be like, "Well, so, yeah, I'm sorry, my accent's a bit." <laughs> How is the French? Yet? My French is good. I'm ac- I'm actually French now. I've been here long enough. I applied for a passport, got a passport, and oh well, oh nice. Oh, my cool. partner, she's um, she's Kiwi, <clears throat> hasn't um, <clears throat> sorry because we're not married. She actually hasn't got access to the passport part, so right. she might um, apply for that soon. But yeah, I I wanted to get that because I wanted to have the chance to to come back and forth and maybe work in France or with a French company or something when I finish rugby. So I'm trying to use that. Fair enough. I mean, I know a few uh, the fans listening won't be too keen to hear that because the question we've had pop up a few times was if you're going to make a comeback to the North and uh, club scene. <laughs> oh, no. So, I mean, I've said I've said while I've been playing some of the pro stuff and you roll off the field, is like when they stop paying me for this, I'm not doing it anymore because <laughs> rugby can be brutal and like you, you finish these games and you come off and you're like stiff as a plank. But, I mean, the times I had playing club rugby with Midwestern up north, was some of the best times of my career. Had some really good mates and uh, the stuff like that. Like I got a couple of mates that still play a bit of club rugby at Grammar Tech and that sort of stuff, and they they really enjoy it. But um, yeah, I mean, I have to see when I get back if uh, if the fire's still there to go and throw the boots on. But I'd imagine there'll be a few games here and there. I don't think I'll be turning out for a, an entire club season. But oh yeah, just we star studded cameo from you. <laughs> <laughs> something like that yeah. just a, maybe yeah, maybe just a cameo at the bar after the game I, don't no, know, I reckon <laughs> go on for one minute and then have the drinks <laughs> yeah. at the end it's the best bit just enough to earn it it's interesting you bring up uh, Midwestern there actually because a uh, guy who follows the page Baxter Scudder actually messaged in so oh, yeah. you had taught him to goal kick back in the day yeah, and more of you remember Good man. yeah Yes, yeah, I lived right across the stadium right across the street from the from the field there I wouldn't say stadium it was just a piece of grass wasn't it but um, he yeah, we used to kick the ball around. There's a bunch of kids around there that would be interested because I used to go and gawk it quite a lot and they'd come over and catch the ball, kick it back for me, and then I'd give them a bit of hand with what they were doing. It was cool. Oh, love that because that's the worst bit about goal kicking practice. Oh, <laughs> kicking, chasing. Especially if you shank I mean, it, you just don't want to go and chase yeah. it. Unless you've got like, yeah, you got to have like 20 rugby balls so you can kick them all the way and go pick them all up in one go or you need someone behind the post catching them. Yeah. One of the last times I went out goal kicking practice, I lost one in the Clutha River somehow, so <laughs> that's my luck. There you go. Yeah, you're not getting that back. Yeah, no. Wasn't diving in after that. So yeah. I guess um, what we haven't covered and what we're going to cover today is a bit of a casual overview of one of the uh, the Blues games that you played in, in your 27, amongst your 27 caps for the Blues, if I'm getting that number correct. If I'm not, that's Wikipedia's fault. Um, but essentially, that one was in 2011, the Super Rugby semi-final against the Reds, who obviously went on to win that particular tournament. Um, so I guess before we get into a bit of a, a brief overview of the lineups, any initial comments on this game? Lucky. Yeah, well, when we talked about this initially, we're like, oh, we'll go one of your old games. And for a second, I I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Like, uh, there's one very famous game I played in. And I mean, I've always said it was the worst game I ever played. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to it. But um, yeah, I mean, 
the memories of the day are obviously positive because we went there and it was a semi-final. We had a fantastic season, but uh, yeah, it didn't quite turn out how I wanted. Yeah, like you said, it was a pretty a pretty important game for the Blues. I think prior to this, they hadn't been in the semis for a couple of years. Am I correct in saying that? But um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, think maybe even 03 or something. Yeah, they won. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, I had 07 down, but I think 07. Maybe yeah, that's it was very here and there, wasn't the mm. star-studded team of the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, coming to Brisbane in, a, in front of a almost full uh, Suncorp Stadium is pretty pretty big game. So yeah, so um, how do you want to do this, Ben? Do you want to run through the lineups for both yeah, sides? Yeah, we or? can go through a few of the lineups. But uh, oh, before that, I did have one other thing to cover about Lockheed. It's a story that I found uh, yes. quite interesting. Back in the early go. days of his Super Rugby career, <laughs> how he actually got to this point, I'd like to know about that match. I believe you made your debut against the Sharks, but it wasn't a traditional <laughs> yes. one. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, my Wikipedia used to have this because one of my mates, he uh, he put it on while we were doing a turkey sailing trip. He thought it was hilarious, got in there, and, and yeah, he added in the uh, in the details to Wikipedia. So I don't know if that's where you saw it or what, but yeah, when I was... Um, I wasn't actually. I was wider training group for a couple of years with the with the Blues. We just hold the hold the tackle pads, and then I think it was 2009. I wasn't actually in there, but they needed a bit of injury cover in preseason, so I'd come in and played some preseason games, and I trained with the team through the week, so I knew all the moves and that sort of thing. But I wasn't um, in the team to play. And uh, yeah, I'd been out with my mates, gone to the races at LSU Ice Course at about 10 a.m. Had my first beer and had a good day and. Even had a couple of winners, won a bit of money. It was like about 100, um, 100 bucks up for the day, which was crazy for me because I don't really ever bet. And if I do, I don't win. But that was funny. And then I got this call saying that Paul Williams had pulled his quad right before kickoff. And it was like already like quarter past five. The game was at 5.30. And he said, oh, can you get to Eden Park? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there straight away. And he's like, it's pretty loud. Like, where are you? And I was like, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. I gave my dad a call. I was still still living at home at that point. He grabbed all my stuff, bundled into the car. I ran out and scaled a few good bottles of water and a, and a sandwich and whatever else I could find, get my hands on, and got to Eden Park. And Eden Park at this stage was still like a – it was like a building site. So they were doing the um, the big stand on the whatever side of the south side. And so I sort of like swung open like a couple of gates to run through to where the changing room was and these security guards are kind of chasing me like almost comically like a thing. Like, oh, you can't come in. I'm like, no, I'm playing. I'm playing the game. And they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, I've, I've got to go. I'm, honestly, I'm playing the game. Like, here's my boots. Here's so the guy finally lets me go. I get in there and put my boots on and run out. And it's about half an hour into the game by the time I come out there. And, of course, I'm like half cut, so I can't stop talking. And like all the boys are just like, get away from me, mate. You're a disgrace. But I, uh, but I ended up getting like five or six minutes at the end of the game because it was a bit of a blowout. The Sharks beat us. And yeah, I got off my debut and and then sat down in the morning. Um, one of my mates said they were talking about on talkback and just listened to the talkback. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, I had a beer with Lockie yesterday at the races. And there's about 10, 10 or 15 people who called up and said that. So oh, I don't know how, how, many, did, how, how many beers I had, but, Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, they couldn't be too angry about it. Like it was uh, a bit of injury coach. Just to, I mean, I don't even know what they did. They should just play with one guy less probably because it wasn't very helpful. <laughs> did anything actually come your way in that game? Do you remember? Or, uh, I, yeah, there was, a, there was a, there was like a sort of a trick move off the line out where I went back to Bismarck to Pussy on the five meter channel. And I was like, just 10 meters back. And he's coming, whoring down there, running fast as hell. And I was just, 
I don't know, I was drunk enough, I guess I just went low and tried to tackle him and kind of bump. So I ended up bumping into his leg and falling on my stomach, but it was just enough to just sort of push him over the sideline. So he's like just sort of standing there looking at me while I'm lying on the ground, but he's out. So it was you take it. I, think I, I think it was, I had one tackle. I think I cleaned a ruck. That was it. Interesting here you can take Bismarck in the five metre channel, but you can't take one of the uh, smaller fellas that we'll get onto in this match. <laughs> yeah, well, if you maybe if you stepped me, it would have been hard, but. You needed beers. You didn't have beers that time. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I should have more beers before the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that'll bring us on to the lineup. So, for on to the Blues first, or we want to quickly do the Reds? Yeah, it's up to you. Oh, I suppose what, what... we'll start with the Blues. Well, we got Lockie here, the important yeah, one. Let's do it. Um, so, in the front row, you had a very formidable front row, actually. One of the probably best front rows the Blues have put out in a wee while. Charlie Farmawina, Kevin Mialamu, and John Arfoa. So, any memories of those blokes as teammates, Lucky? Oh, I mean, Kevin especially was just like an absolute legend of the game. And uh, yep. he was such a nice guy to all the young guys when you came into the team. Like, uh, yeah, he was a big part of, I don't know, just memories of what getting into the Blues was like because obviously he was a star from when I was a kid and liked to watch, so... I mean, playing with him was just amazing, and then the uh, the other two as well, man, phenomenal players. Tony Woodcock, a real a real man's man, who just liked to uh, have a beer in his hand about two seconds after the final whistle blew. He was a good, he was a pretty good man. Oh, I can't say that surprises me about the guy, but no. <laughs> love to hear it. Uh, in the on well, the number four jersey, he had a bit of a talking point actually between you and him. Probably the two big talking points to the side. You had Chris Lowry playing in a lock and. It was yeah. not a position very familiar to him, so I mean, I mean, he had yeah. Chris is also a great player. Yeah, I think it was um, Anthony Boric was on the bench. Obviously, turned out to be an All Black. Yeah, I think um, Boric was injured this game, so he had James King on the bench. So that light in oh, the really? locking department, by the looks of it, didn't even realise it. Kingy was not there. Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. But um, yeah, I mean, Chris, he obviously did it. He did it well. You'll see in the game. He um, even dots down as well. So he had a. He had a good performance. Yeah, I thought he was an underrated wee player, actually. Mm, definitely. A lot of big names around him. Uh, number five, possibly a bloke he had more memories off the field with it because he's known to throw in a party or two. That's Ali Williams. Yeah, well, Ali was really he was really injured throughout the time that I played with him at the Blues. He had a lot of different issues with his Achilles and uh, he'd come back from it and then blow it again and come back from it and blow it again. So I don't know which, I can't remember which part it was at this point, but I mean, he was a... He was a great player, like the way he, he sort of had those old school values of rugby, you know, like he, he was tough and strong and big and a bit confrontational. And yeah, I mean, you always need one or two guys in your team who are going to be a bit aggressive like that in the game yes. rugby. It's a, it's a funny one of game. my favorites for that reason, too. He just plays it mm-hmm. for the fun of it. It's just old school, which you yeah. love to see. Uh, back row was I mean, pretty talented as well, especially that number six jersey. He had Jerome Kano in at blindside, Luke Braid in at seven, and Peter Saeli at eight. So. Two powerful runners there. Yeah, I think I think Luke got um I think Luke got player of the year that year. He was phenomenal the whole year. Just no nonsense guy. Like he just never seemed to miss a tackle and uh, and yeah, of course uh Jerome was like absolute legend as well. Million million tests and uh came to France as well where I followed him a bit when he was with Toulouse, had a phenomenal career over here as well. And uh and won the French comp and yeah, I mean the stats talk for themselves. Awesome guy as well. And uh, yeah, another one of those guys that when I came through, I was just like amazed to be playing with him. Yeah, I mean, imagine be pretty starstruck. You probably grew up almost watching some of these guys and then you Yeah, exactly. Playing with. Um, then in the halves, you had two players that actually I think could have gone a lot further with their careers because they're both pretty talented, but 
just didn't quite roll their way. And it's Albie Matthewson and Stephen Brett at 10. Yes, they. I'm pretty close with these guys, actually. Albie and, uh, Albie and I play in a, in a fantasy football league together, so we stay in touch a little bit. But um, he actually came last place this year, so I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. Oh, has he got a forfeit or some <laughs> but, sort, uh, surely? Yeah, he, in, in, that, in that league, oh, we actually need to get onto that, sort him out. But um, he was, he was, and this was his best year, I think, maybe possibly of his career. He was brilliant. And then uh, he suffered a little bit with the, the toughness of, finding a spot overseas as the number nine when he went overseas because he sort of bounced he bounced around all over the place and played a bit in France, played a bit in Ireland, and I think he's back in Australia now. Yeah, he never really his, settled. Uh, yeah, he didn't really settle in the anyway because obviously he was at the force as well, but he was amazing this year, absolutely amazing. And um, and Stevie as well, who <clears throat> played like a little bit uh, – a little bit of a switch around with um, with Luke throughout the year where Luke would play 10 sometimes and Steve would play 10 sometimes. But, um, yeah, we stayed in touch a lot as well because he came to Lyon when I was in Lyon. We played together there. And then uh, after that, I was down in Bézier and he ended up in Narbonne, which is just 20 minutes down the road as well. So we spent plenty of time together here in France. And, yeah, he's over now. And um, in Atlanta, he was in Atlanta as the backs coach in the ML, MLR. And he's actually ended up getting the backs coach for the – for the USA Eagles team now, so he's oh, uh, nice. he's transitioned into into coaching really nicely, considering his knees like basically turned him like a like a pigeon in the end. His right one was no good; he couldn't do anything. So he went, "Oh well, let's do coaching," and he's turned out to be awesome at it. So he's doing really well. This maybe you have to follow suit when the uh, leagues give up on you. <laughs> yeah, I can't be too far away with these knees as well. Uh, then in the midfield, like you just mentioned, Luke McAllister alongside Benson Stanley is a name I haven't heard in a wee while, but I remember he was quite class. Him and his brother Winston were pretty good. But McAllister yeah, and Stanley. Benson as well, Auckland Grammar boy. He was um, he was like the I think he might have been the fiftieth All Black after um, there was like a rash of injuries, and he got a he got a couple of games to the All Blacks. But Benson was awesome. He could do everything as well. He could he could do the long passes. He could kick it really an absolute mile off his left foot and, and smash people as well. And uh, he actually came to France as well, had a bit of a, a star-studded career over here with Clermont and then he went down to Poe and I think he's actually coaching now at Clermont as well. He's into that. It's quite funny when like both, most of the guys I played with now are coaches all over the place. And, um, and yeah, Luke as well, stay in touch with him a little bit. Amazing career in Toulouse. He basically... Uh, Came over the year after, and came in 2012 straight to France and won the won the comp his first year with with Toulouse. So he's a, I mean he's he's a star. I think he probably played his best rugby once he got to France. To be honest, he was absolutely dominant over here. And at and at that stage, at that stage it was great because Stevie and and Luke actually were like their goal kicking was a bit amiss, and that was what was giving me a bit of a run on the left wing because I was getting. I was getting games so I could kick goals, but like in this particular game against the Reds, we didn't actually have any shots while I was on. Yeah, so it didn't work out. Annoyingly, so well. the second you go off, you get a shot. Yeah, exactly. Anyone could have kicked the one you did get. But yeah, I think you would have kicking really well this season from memory. There was definitely a few you kicking sort of over the 85 90% mark, which. Yeah, I mean, it was a. I'd say like this season was probably my. I mean, even probably you could say this game was sort of like the apex of my career. Like I, I built up playing some great rugby and, and got to this point. And then uh, 2012 for the Blues wasn't quite as good as 2011. And at the end of that year, I came to France. So it was uh, it was certainly a highlight, even if the game didn't work out how I how I wanted. Like I, um, I don't know, just it was it was just an amazing team to be a part of because we had a lot of wins and, and made it all the way to semi. Yeah, definitely. 
good memories, I'm sure. Uh, to round out the 15, anyway, you had uh, Rocafoco on the right. His name probably shouldn't brush over, but we will because he's cl- And then at fullback, you had Jared Payne. Played a lot of yeah. centre for you guys, but 15. Yeah, years. I mean, Payne could do everything, though, as well. He was, he was amazing. Big, tall guy who ran, like, really upright, but somehow just had this little touch where he could just move his feet and beat people. And obviously, came to Ireland and plays... Um, Still playing tests for for them, just showing how good he is. But he he was great for Northland as well. He he really ran our side up there. So uh, yeah, I mean, great player, really good player. And obviously, Joe, obviously Joe Rocks is Joe Rocks. And he's yeah, everyone knows about him. Then on the left was a big talking point there. Actually, of course, you had yourself in the mix. You had Rene Ranger returning from injury too, and of course, Sherwin Stowers was an option. So yeah, talk to us about how you got the nod for. Well, I was just saying before, it was just goal kicking, really. I, I mean, I'd been playing well. I, I'm obviously not any ranger. I'm not running over people, but I wasn't making mistakes. And I was basically having games where I was just putting out exactly what the coaches wanted, um, which uh, which is, I mean, not exactly Rennie's best thing. He would, he would obviously run over people, but then he might forget a move or he might get the ball kicked behind them, which is what, yeah, what just I Just a highlight, it's a real player. He was a little bit, and that was kind of what it, well, I mean, it was phenomenal when he was going forward. But I guess I just, yeah, I managed to sneak in with a bit of goal kicking and uh, no no errors and uh, and got a start. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was probably the highest ever I got to my in my career where I started a match over Rennie Ranger, which is pretty... Uh, Pretty cool thing to brag about yeah. to the mates. But, I don't um, imagine yeah. many would have argued at the time either, because as you said, you were on some pretty good form, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was, I mean, I was playing tries well. and stuff as well. Like, and you play on the wing for the Blues, and they're playing well. You're going to dot down, so you couldn't really argue with the with the numbers as well. And they see come back from injury, and they weren't 100 percent sure about him. So yeah, they yeah. gave me a run, which I was obviously very thankful about. Kicked really well through the week. Was feeling great for kickoff, and then. Then that was, and then, uh, yeah, then we'll get onto that soon about how that goes. But, yeah, as you said, you're back for this season, I found out. One of them was actually against the Reds in their uh, other fixture of this. So, yeah, you'd clearly done the damage against them before. But, uh, yeah, we'll quickly run over the bench. You had Tom McCartney, Tavita Mylow in 17, who had an absolute ripper of a haircut. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. <laughs> Something no, special. He kept, the same, he kept the same thing for years. Uh, James <laughs> King, as we mentioned, Daniel Braid in 19, and then Smiley, Ranger, and Stowers around out the back reserves. Yeah. Bit of firepower on there. I, I did not remember that James King was in there. I mean, it won't be much to anyone else listening, but um, he was a good mate of mine, and he must have only got like one or two games for the Blues, so it was fine. Yeah, I don't remember getting many. I think he went to the Rebels after and get played American a bit there, but... Yeah, he did actually. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Good man. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Rennie Rangers, the uh, the star on there, isn't he? All black. Yeah, and... I mean, you're busy sweating out on that wing now, and you can't be making too many mistakes because <laughs> got someone at your heels. Yeah, exactly. Was the um, was the eleven jersey something something that you'd worn a lot that season? Like, I don't have the stats in front of me. Um, I played either wing. I sort of played um, like if Joe was playing, he'd play on his wing that he wanted, and if I was playing, if if um, Rennie was playing on the left, I'd play on the right. Whatever. Um, I didn't care. I played a bit of fullback as well. I was lucky because um, Alva got hurt in like the second or third week, and he was going to Japan at the end of the year, so he sort of took himself out to get his. I think he had the. Um, osteitis pubis thing going on so he had like the whole season out trying to sort that out and I, I mean I got a lot of extra time that I probably wouldn't have got a chance to have otherwise so I played a fair bit at fullback played a fair bit on each wing and um, filled in a couple of times at 10 like, later in games but never started there 
It's interesting you mentioned that, uh, Toby and Lockie, because that was a question we had a fair bit too, actually. One of the guys who sent it in was Sammy. He asked if you actually had a favourite position to play, because you've covered just about everywhere in that back line at some point. Yeah, I never really played in the centres. I played, um, yeah, I don't know. I absolutely loved playing fullback. Fullback's an awesome spot. You can, um, especially if you've played 10, because you can be that sort of second guy and the, the heat's not on you as much, but you can get yourself in good positions and put the team in good positions. But as um, as I came to France after three or four years, you know, the league slowed down and moving into 10 was the best thing I ever did because now I can still play even though I can't run fast anymore. So I just run the team and, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy playing 10 now. Like there's nowhere else I'd want to play now. But I'd say yeah, in, that, in that heyday there, 15 was, was awesome. Absolutely loved it because you can score a few tries as well when you're out wide. Awesome. Right, uh, well, that rounds out the Blues. Toby, have you got to quickly run through the Reds? Won't take yeah. as much time on these guys, but we can flip yeah, all the names. Quickly run through these guys. You had your front row of Ben Daly, Sia Fianga, and Greg Holmes. Pretty formidable front row, really, if you look at their experience, particularly for the Wallabies. Yeah, I think so, three um, were Wallabies at some point. Yeah, they were. So pretty experienced. Uh, and the locking partnership, Rob Simmons and James Hall, again, <laughs> Very experienced. Um, and obviously James Hall, who was actually I think the captain of the Wallabies at this point as well. So um he I was, think it was James James Hall that absolutely barreled me in a clean out in about yeah, the fifth worry. minute, which is what's got um, that note. I, I think we've got that noted down <laughs> somewhere. Is, uh, well, I remember about that. <laughs> um yeah. I thought that was a pretty legit turnover, I'll give that to you. But uh, we can <laughs> go detail that out later. <laughs> Um, and then it was uh, Scott Higginbotham, Doug Robinson, and Radiki Samo, the big man um, who we've spoken about in the podcast in the past. But again, some really big names in this red team. Obviously, they went on to win it. But um, yeah, impressive forward pack. And then um, the classic combination, Will Guinea and Quade Cooper, who had an incredible game, um, didn't he? This, 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 that, season this whole, general, whole season, like, yeah. Yeah, for, and for the uh, and for the Wallabies for a couple of years too, those guys were absolutely on fire and stuff. Yeah. Probably incredible. like the form halfback pairing in the world at that point in time. Like. Yeah, had to be. Uh, your centres, you had Anthony Fyinger, so two Fyingers um, in this particular game, and uh, you also had Ben Tupperway, so yeah, 12 and 13. Um, and then uh, you're back... Three to round it out. You had uh, Rocket Rod Davies, uh, who who will feature in this game quite a lot. He was uh, on fire. Um, you had John O'Lance in uh, the fullback position, and then Digby Yawani on the left wing. So that's so, interesting. Yeah. You mentioned Lance actually. I looked it up because I thought he must have been pretty young. Turns out he was the only person in the fifteen not to get capped by the Wallabies, and this was actually his very wow. first game at Suncorp. Oh, well. well. I thought he played pretty well, actually. I mean, it's weird seeing a full hitter here on the guy and him running around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, that, yeah, that pretty much rounds up the Reds. I guess we can quickly go over the replacements. It was James Hansen, Guy Shepherdson, Adam Wallace-Harrison, Jake Schatz, Liam Gill, Ian Pryor, and Will Chambers. So that was your, your bench for the Reds. So some well, pretty Schatz, big names the guy we well. talked about on here too. Uh, very unfortunate yeah. surname, but not a bad Very reply. unfortunate. <laughs> Um, and yeah, Ian Prime's in there. I didn't realise. I actually forgot he played for the Reds. He's just obviously oh, yeah. so a right. force now. And of course, no Mike Harris either. I don't know if he was at the Reds at this point in time. But he, I think he, I think he had his knee was blown yeah. out at the stage. He, he was, was sitting in the, in the in the bench with his knee in the game, ready icing it. While uh, yeah, when I was off in the second half, chatting with him. 
I think throughout yeah. the season he was the the choice goal kicker, was he not? Um, and Cooper in this particular game was was taking the taking the tee, I believe. And yeah, yeah. I think just about anyone else could have been the choice goal kicker with the way Cooper was firing them. God knows we're in this game. All right, well, uh, should we get off? Get get started with the kickoff. Yeah, I was going to say there was a wee note from the commentators mentioning how the Reds were looking really up for it and the Blues were looking very nervous. So, well, I mean, yeah. were they lucky? Were you nervous? Were you up for it? I don't know. Yeah, Suncorp is a like it's an amazing stadium, and yeah, Suncorp when it's full, um, it's kind of a weird stadium as well because you can kind of hear like normally a big stadium you don't really hear much like individually, but you can kind of. Like hear some Aussie guy calling you a wanker from the top deck here. Like it's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, you do. I don't know. I mean, personally, obviously, I was a bit tight and nervous, but um, Suncorp was definitely in because we'd we'd had such a phenomenal year, except we'd been beaten kind of handily at Suncorp. So I think yeah, it was fair to say we we're a little bit tight coming yep. into it. But uh, yeah, imposing place to play. That's for sure. You got a you got a pretty good mention from the um, Australian commentators at the start of the match when they were going through the lineups. Yeah. Pretty much spot on. They said that um, they gave you a bit of a feature and said that you're only in the squad because you're goal kicking. So um, they were. <laughs> the Aussie, the Aussie crew, they were never too nice to me. Was always, <laughs> Justin Marshall was much nicer to me. I liked them. Yeah, there's a few so, notes in there from them that they uh, didn't exactly have positive feedback to give you. <laughs> no. Maybe, maybe we, was there a New Zealand broadcast? There, there probably probably wasn't because it was in Australia. Obviously, I don't. So. I don't think. Well, I've never. I don't think I've heard one now. Oh, no, they'd be far too nice to give Lockie that. We've already stitched him up enough with this. Got to <laughs> stitch him up big time for the commentary too. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first real uh, note I had was, I mean, the Reds started pretty well. They got a wee turnover. I mean, <clears> the Blues kind of looked to do a bit, but Payne got a bit fancy. And then there was a scrum, and the commentators were saying one of the Blues was having an absolute whale of a season. So <laughs> if any of you could tell me what having a whale of season means, I, I would love to know. Was that Phil Kearns? Yeah, oh, couldn't tell you. I'm probably Kearns. I'm going to back it. But they're talking about John R. Foa, so I'm not sure if they're just talking about the fact he's a massive bloke or if he's had a massive season. So, well, it's uh, up to the up to the viewer, I suppose. Yeah, let, let the viewer decide what they uh, what they feel on that one. I think. Uh, yes, and then um, I guess it was well, the first point I really had was that. Um, that run from yourself um, about three three or four minutes in and um, the scrum, Matthewson out to Payne, off to McAllister, then to yourself and a run up the left. And I think the commentators were commenting on, on the fact that if you got the ball a bit earlier or perhaps just a flat pass, you might have been in for a chance of a try. But uh, Yeah, I quite enjoyed not. watching the first sort of five or ten minutes. I was like, yeah, running around. I was like, oh. I was like, man, I used to run a bit faster than I do now and that sort of thing. So I was... Uh, was quite enjoying that. They were white headgear flashing down the side, but um, yeah, didn't quite get in. We actually like we, we sort of held the ball kind of well at the start. I thought uh, we're watching it. Obviously, you know what happens in the end, but uh, we looked pretty positive. The stuff we were we were trying to do was was decent, but uh, yeah, soon turned a little bit south. Yeah, yeah, it was a promising looking start. It definitely built the phases, but definitely. almost immediately after they got the turnover, and we're like, you know what, what you can do, we can do much better, and they. Kind of did a guinea and a cooper, and somehow yeah. ended up seventy meters upfield. So I don't know how that happened, but that was that was good, wasn't it? That just about anything they touched seemed to turn to magic at that point. 
Yeah, it was a what was it Genia Yuani, and then back to Genia, wasn't it? And then on the toe, and they sort of yeah, like you said, gained seventy meters, and they found themselves eight meters out. Yeah, um, yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, there was a wee involvement from Lockie not too long after that. We defensive involvement, your first big task on the uh, back foot. Didn't really get yeah, too I involved, mean, though, as Davies was, never, was... Yeah, yeah I, was never huge, I was never huge on the defensive side of the ball. I used to do do what I could to um, to flash up and get the other guys to tackle them for me, but uh, every now and then you've got to make a tackle yourself. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw at this one point Davies kind of got in between you and Jared Payne because, I mean, he was electric, but Rockefeller bailed the two of you out there. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, you don't realize how big Rox is as a guy as well. He's absolutely massive. He must be like six six and one hundred ten kgs. So he can just come yeah. and sort of crash into someone. They'll fall over. It's like I've got to put a bit more effort in to get someone on the ground. Yeah, I think that was about the moment you tried to get over the ball. Actually, and old big Jimmy Horwell came steaming in. <laughs> so, I mean, you must have thought you'd won yourself a turnover there and bought <clears> your team. <throat> we get out of jail card. Yeah. Um, I don't know. A couple of times I got down on the ball there and yeah, I mean, you never, the, the rules are so different to now as well. Like now you get your hands on the ball and give sort of one target at it and the ref will give you the ball straight away. But back then you could like basically land on the ground roll over twice, put the ball back. The guy could get his hands on it. You could sort of push it out of his hands and, and someone could clean you out. You could keep the ball like it was, the rucks were a bit, a bit more confrontational than now where you can, yeah, you can get your hands on the ball and basically you yeah, just get the penalty straight away. So yes. Certainly an area I don't imagine you would have wanted to be too involved in. No, I would not be. Yeah, I mean, when when you're in the middle of the field like that and there's big boys coming down, yeah, it's not so good. But uh, I've always kind of enjoyed going for the ball like that because it's uh, it can be a big change in the play. If, if the other team's on attack hard, you, you manage to get a steal, then uh, your, your boys give you a little big pat on the back and off you go. I suppose no one expects the little guy to come out with a big play like that, so it's always worth a try. Yeah, if you can sneak in there, no one's ceasing getting your hands down on it, why not? I mean, the first like real big moment, I don't know if you had anything else, Toby, but I mean, yeah. There, there was a wee moment before the big moment from Davies that I thought you could have been in. I think Brett returned a kick down the sideline and you looked like you were steaming onto it, but he kind of chopped inside. Had a, bit of, had a bit of space, yeah. Came, like They ended up cleaning us up and uh, went back out to the right. And then, yeah, like I was saying, because I played like a bit of fullback and then I ended up getting myself in behind the, in behind the sort of pod of forwards in the middle of the field. And then saw the space out left and tried to get the ball there, but uh, it didn't quite get all the way there. Yeah, I mean, you could see the look on your face at that point. You're pretty dejected. Yeah, I mean, I threw the pass. Rod Davies intercepted it and, and took it back. But the pass was, I mean, it was the right option. He just had read it well and got up into there. Yeah. It was like three, it was a three-man overlap. And oh, yeah. The commentators at least gave me a thing saying it was a good idea. Just wasn't the uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it wasn't, yeah, yeah it certainly. But turning out to on. chase him like that's so dejecting when you turn out to chase a guy so fast. Because if I don't chase him, then the coach will be and go, "You're not even trying." And I chase him, you look like an idiot. You kind of just jogging behind him as he's yeah. the fast guy on the field runs away. So that it's was a tough one, though. That's the worst part as you're running back after him, going, "There's no one catching him." Yeah, he's, he's gone forward. from I've done your this. team seven points to, <laughs> yeah. to chase a guy down the other this end. Is, this is all my fault. <laughs> but if he hadn't if he hadn't intercepted it, I mean, you're, you're right. It, it could easily have been the other way around. Um, there was no overlap. Yeah. So, yeah, but, the choice is right. I mean, that's rugby, right? You got to make decisions. You got to be good enough to get that pass over the top or or zip yeah. it to them before he gets there. And I mean, sometimes the other guy's better. And then the uh, the rocket, as they call him, or as they did call him, uh, yeah. Rocket Rod Davis, away. 
to score. He was amazing all year, man. He he yeah. looked like that all year, and then he, uh, he actually scored these tries. So Digby Alani didn't uh, show up as much in the game, but. Yeah, yeah, I forgot just, how good Davies was. Like they were both outrageous that year, absolutely yeah. outrageous. The I mean, whole the whole team, team was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Imagine if that team had stayed together for a few more years. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it was mentioned they were all kind of under twenty five at that point. So. Well, yeah, it was a young, yeah, it was quite yeah. a young team as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a shock to the system, I guess. Um, it didn't, yeah, wasn't really. It was against the run of play, wasn't it? So, yeah. So yeah. I sort of saying like we were we were controlling the ball, looking all right. I was like enjoying watching the first ten minutes, and and then there it was there's the intercept try, and that was yeah. uh, basically how I remembered it. But uh, yeah, seven yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been, it's good. I've, I've spent like eleven years trying to block this out of my mind, but good to write already. Oh, I don't know if good's the word, but I'm sure the listeners will love hearing about this. Yeah, the big note there after the try actually is Quade Cooper bangs one over. Very rare sight, as we'd see. Yeah. Grabs the conversion. And then, I mean, not too much after that. I had my first potential Dick of the Day nomination for Bo Robinson, who I thought actually had a really good game, but at this point he decides to just run into Will Guinea as Guinea is passing it for some reason. I don't know what he was thinking, but... I think the ball yeah. ended up spilling out to towards your direction, actually, Lockie. I don't know if it went to you, but someone went somewhere out there. It's very generous trying to find someone else to be Dick of the Day for this game. So, I oh, yeah, that. we had to try our best. There's a <laughs> few well, in comment- here, though, don't you? Commentators worry. are always an option, let's be honest. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Anything involving Phil Kearns is going to be tough to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was their choice, I think they might be choosing you, but uh, that's, yeah, that's just because they're Aussies mostly. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was the next point? Um, what was the next point after that, Ben? I mean, uh, so much as the Lockie probably hates it being brought up, uh, there was a high ball go up about one point. I think it was your first real tester of the day, and fair to say, I've seen you more comfortable under a high nut. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know if it was swirling or what now, but uh, yeah, I'm doing my best there. It was a, the whole thing like has gone sort of a blur and all mixed together, like. Uh, it was one of those ones where you're not playing well and it's just an avalanche and like, yeah, so it's a kick that should be no drama to take on a normal day but because he's already feeling a little bit, I mean, like I said, we're probably a bit intimidated for playing at Suncorp in the first place and it all starts to swirl and go wrong and everything, even the easy stuff seems a bit harder. I mean, yeah, but you had a few decent wee touches in there. You had an offload come to you at some point. You could have made a wee break. But just, yeah, as you said, your team was stringing together the phases but just wasn't quite clicking as smoothly as it had done. Like sort of, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, John Arfoa kind of done his best to get your team on the front foot. I saw he ran through a wee half gap at one point. That was not the man I expected to be going through a hole, but yeah, he looked bloody good doing it. Now, you, you'd be surprised at the sort of turn of, turn of speed on most of those front rowers. Like, they look, they're built like... Uh, build like small houses, but they can actually normally turn it on a little bit. You don't want them to get a bit of a break on you because you've got to turn around and chase them real hard if you're playing against them. So, I mean, I know you were a bit of a yo-yo man yourself, but uh, how do those sort of blokes go on the yo-yo? <laughs> I don't know. Normally, <clears throat> guys like that, like John is actually in pretty good shape. Kevy was a, was a notoriously like, um, I don't know, the effort he would give would be like 110%. He was phenomenal. And then... Uh, then you'd have the guys that really struggled while I was there. The, I mean, the worst I'd ever seen was Perry Weepu after the World Cup when he came back the next year. 
that was like, I think he got like something like 10 or just under 10, which is obviously not a great yo-yo. But like, I used to get so nervous before those yo-yos because like they expected me to win it every time being like the sort of small fit white guy. And, uh, if I didn't win it, they'd be like, well, what's wrong with you? So I'd, I'd feel all this massive pressure <laughs> and all the other boys would be like, it's fine, mate. You're fine. You're good at this. Yo. So I'm like, yeah, but I'm, if I don't, you know, they'll, they'll be like, what, are you all right? Have you not been working out? Oh, I have, but. You're almost getting more nervous for the yo-yo than the games I themselves. I always said I could write a book about the ways to just shave a little bit off each turn and the yo-yo, and there's like a thousand ways to just sort of cheat it and do well. So, Jeez, have to come to you for years. some tips. <laughs> yeah. If you ever need to do one, mate, let me know. I've got plenty of advice. Oh, I'll happily let you just fill in for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. I mean, the next few things I had were a few penalties to the Reds. At one point, Quay Cooper had a shot and... The commentators could not have called it better. They said, it's his weak side. He's going to drag it to the left and um, <laughs> proceeded to do just that. Yeah. It certainly was not the only time that happened. Yeah. No, he, it was, I think it was sort of when Thurston was starting to kick with those huge bananas as well. And so people would sort of judge you on your, on your style. If you were trying to just kick the ball straight, they'd be like, oh, no, you know, you need to be turning the ball in and making it shape back towards the post. And that was really sort of in at the time. And yeah, I think Quaid was going through a bit, trying to figure out what was best for him. But he obviously yeah. he did a good job, and he went to World Cup, kicked well there. But yeah, definitely kicked well in some games. I mean, he yeah. did everything else pretty bloody good in this game. So yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, did you ever get caught into that sort of stuff when kicking, trying any of these fancy different techniques, or you just stick to the tried and true? Kicking's just you've got to make your you've got to make your decision about what you want to do, and then you just practice it, practice it, practice it. And like I. It was my old man actually he just he used to just take me down to the park and kick a bunch of balls and he sort of instilled that in me like you just there's no substitute for kicking yeah and so like even now when i kick a ball now i can you know if i'm if i'm a bit a bit tired about whatever i can sort of look up and imagine sort of kicking the ball through the post at cornwall park there in auckland and where i used to kick thousands and thousands of balls and dogs would run around while i was kicking them and like i said i had a massive bag of balls so i could kick a bunch and then go pick them up if i was by myself and nice it's just repetition kicking's kicking's like 80 percent mental by that point because you know how to do it it's not like quake couldn't kick it from the sideline he just you know when the pressure's on or for whatever you think about yeah. something that's not I mean, the right thing and yeah you showed us later in the game you can absolutely bang him over from the touch line if he wants to yeah so just, yeah, yeah even even week. yesterday i had a funny one here because i was I was like, you normally don't really hear the crowd, but these smaller crowds we've got here, you know, when someone yells out, you can hear that individual person. And there was a couple of French guys who were very funny yesterday while I was kicking a couple of goals and they sort of cracked me a little bit. I had a couple of smiles and ended up missing a kick to the left because of that. But you've got to really stay in your own head and kick and it's a, it's a bit of an art form and I don't know, I'm basically had my whole career on it, goal kicking. So I'm glad that it's part of the game because uh, otherwise I don't know where I'd be today. I mean, there was a wee point in here as well. I saw um, you actually got confused for uh, one of your teammates, Lockie. So I was going to see if any of you two could have a guess as to who it was. Would it have been mm. Benson? It would have been someone in headgear, right? Who are you locking in, Toby? Oh, it's not a bad shout. Yeah, someone with headgear. Yeah, it's spot on. Benson. So they've just looked yeah. at the headgear. Completely different colours, mind you, but uh, yeah, it's Aussie commentators, we. You change it, right? But we, yeah, when I first started, I had I had me, Sam Tui Tupo, and Benson, and we all actually played in exactly the same headgear, like a blue one with some white. <laughs> and so I'd turn on my stats on Monday morning, and, and it would have, like, this massive big tackle, and I'd be like, oh, awesome. They'd 
put put under my name, but it was it would have been Sammy smashing someone or Benson smashing someone, and they just gave me the stat. And I was like, oh, thanks, guys. Oh, I'd take that. The sort of Sammy put on, like, yeah, man. His shoulders were an absolute mess. They had these huge steps in them from his ACs just being obliterated, but didn't stop him. (laughs) Didn't stop him. Did not take a backward step at all in his career. I don't think. No, not at all. I mean, yeah, the next big moment. I uh, don't know if you had anything else, Toby, but. Nah, 29 minutes is the next one I've got, yeah, which is what I'm assuming another, what you're going to talk about. Another try. I mean, we've got the perfect person to run us through what happened, really. Don't know if he really wants to dwell on what happened, but. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at it, the problem with the whole thing is, is Stevie Brett had to kick it out, didn't he? he oh, did exactly. It. Put yeah, it all so on. So if we want to blame <laughs> him. the day right there, Brett, we could Stevie just stitch him out. But yeah, it's it's a funny play. I mean, um, if I mean, if anyone thinks this game, this is what they'll think about. And yeah, the ball goes down to Quaid, and obviously one of the best steppers in the world at the time, and he ties me in a knot. And the real issue was is that I kind of ended up falling at his feet, and I have like the second go in him from the ground, and that's kind of what makes the whole thing look comical. And he sort of so he kind of beats me twice. I kind of miss him twice in like half a second, and then he zooms off down the sideline. Benson can't quite get to him. He. Uh, I think Elby just gets him just and he flicks it inside and and top boy scores. But it was like from about 70 metres out that he set this whole thing up and it was just... Yeah, it was crazy. And, it, and same thing like with the... One. Yeah, the, the same thing. I like, if you watch me, I get off the ground and I'm kind of just jogging behind the play. So I'm almost like watching it in slow-mo from just... Because I can't, I can't just stay at halfway lying on the ground. So I'm sort of just like watching it from up close, unable to do anything. As I'm jogging back all the way to the try line, it's awful. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was but, pretty uh, gutted when I first saw it back. I had full faith in you because I forgot about this try. One of the few. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Yeah, now Lockie's got him. Here he goes, turning his game around." Nice you forget about. It. Yeah, I my friends haven't forgotten about it. Like whenever Quake Cooper's <laughs> playing well, they'll normally put up a montage of of his best steps and that sort of stuff. And I'll, 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 honestly, when something like that goes up on Instagram, I'll we'll get it like twenty times or more from friends or guys <laughs> I play with now who are like, "Hey, is this you?" It's like, yeah, that is me, yeah, like 11 years ago. But, um, yeah, I haven't forgotten about that that part, that's for sure. <laughs> it, it wasn't just you. I mean, it was the, the dummying from him was, like you said, a bit, oh, a number of other places. That well. dummy yeah. sent me to the shops, let alone the people <laughs> yeah. actually out on the pack. Like, yeah. Um, and normally, incredible. if you watch it, it's normally like in a, in a bunch of highlights of best steppers in the world kind of thing, and you'll get him stepping me, and then you'll get Benji Marshall stepping another good player, and then... <laughs> There's another one of Quay Cooper stepping Richie McCall. I'm like, well, if Richie McCall can get a step, you know. Makes yeah, it I mean, yeah. It's not too bad, really. The, the yeah. commentators kind of, oh, I don't know if they backed you up or what, but I'll tell you the line they said about you. I don't know if you heard it, but they said. Um, what I'm they sure say? I probably oh, have. Lockie Munro, he's a known non-defender, so we'll let him away <laughs> with that one. Yeah, but they, mate, the same mate who put the um, the thing about going to the races to the Blues game, put that line in my Wikipedia for a while as well. So. They, they didn't leave it at just <laughs> that line, though. They were like, uh, Quade Cooper is a wimpy wee first five. He's not meant to be doing those things. But I guess he did it against a wimpy winger. So. <laughs> God, the commentators are just... Okay, I haven't heard that one. That's, I mean, that's too far. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we can let you away with that one, really. I mean, Quade 2011, I don't think many people are getting a hand yeah. on him. Yeah, I mean, it, it was what it was, isn't it? You can't, you can't play your best game every week, and this certainly was not my best game. There's no doubt about that. But um, had 10 years to, to look back at it, like I was saying, like in the end, although the, the game didn't go away and my performance wasn't as high as I'd like, like it's still a, a sort of a pinnacle of my career of where I got to. And, 
you know, I was like reasonably limited as a as a player, like uh, as you guys talk about battlers, like I was never like the fastest. I mean, I wasn't even com- comparative to an outside back. Like the numbers that I could run through the things were terrible for an outside back. And it was just I was uh, a really fit goal kicker, did my job, didn't make mistakes was the theory and uh, and got to where I got to. So, yeah, sometimes you're going to get found out for um, <laughs> by these guys that have just got absolute bucket loads of talent like uh, Quay Cooper or uh, whoever else. But, um, yeah, that's rugby and... Yeah, it was a, I mean, it was a hell of You certainly weren't at a place at that level. Like you said, like you call yourself a bit of a battler, but you were pretty class at that point in time at the very yeah. least. Like, yeah, I was, I was playing right. I was playing right. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You got you got to your point. Like, I mean, I, I worked my ass off to get there. I I did whatever I could to play that level and enjoyed, uh, enjoyed my time with the Blues. Really, really enjoyed my time with the Blues. It was actually amazing because – I had um, my grandparents, my mum and dad had split up at the time, but they'd both come along and watch me every week. And like, it was the support I had from friends and family. It was phenomenal and uh, a really amazing time in my life to to be playing for, you know, the Blues was my team. And I'm running out there and number 11, like Joan Loma used to, like, yeah. who am I, you know? I guess you grew up kind of supporting them and watching all yeah, this. I'm still like I'm still trying to get my hands on one of those like 90, 97, 98 blues team jerseys because money nowadays <laughs> they're expensive things and trying to I'm trying to find one over here in France where someone doesn't know the value of it but uh, oh yeah that'd be good that's the trick oh, but yeah I was obviously a blues fan and to do it for the blues at this level was was awesome I mean it must be a dream come true for you to take them to their first semi final in some years. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd had a couple of good games the, the two games before. We had a Highlanders game where I kicked well and getting a bit of press and that sort of thing. It was always awesome when, you know, you're 20, 23 or 24 or something at the time. And, uh, yeah, just a phenomenal time. Really, really enjoyed the rugby. Really enjoyed being part of the Blues and, uh, and we're in the jersey. Yeah, it's a shame this was, this was uh, one of the few matches on YouTube, really. Cause... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you tell you what match I did well. want to find was uh, the uh, North versus South 2012 match. I don't know if you remember much about yeah, that. Yeah, that was a funny I one. I tried my utmost to find that one because, I mean, There's, that scrap alone was memories. You can get this, I think you can get the scene with the scrap because yeah. I played in Leon with um, Kenny Lynn as well and he starts the fight with, with Dan Coles and he talked to me. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but all of a sudden I'm swinging, punching him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you're doing either. It was bloody crazy, but uh, I mean, that was a funny. Kenny, isn't that was it? A funny Just punching yeah. well above his weight. Yeah, did our part to save the Otago Union. You guys are welcome. Yeah, I remember going to that game. Oh, nice. awesome. It was actually. I, I think I only played a couple of times at that stadium, and it was just awesome experience. What a great, what a great stadium to have, like a close down. Like I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be well up if Christchurch did a stadium like that as well. Really, well, they awesome. like they're playing awesome atmosphere. They've got one in, in the works, apparently. Um, oh, okay, awesome. Thirty-five thousand seat, similar thing, I think. So awesome. awesome. It's going to be crazy when that's well, probably ten years away. Though, let's be honest, but um, yeah. it's only I mean, about time. Interesting, you say thirty-five there, Toby, because that would bring me on to. I hate to bring out Cooper's goal kicking again, but I just the stat actually kind of shocked me. I couldn't not his goal kicking from that right side. If you want to hazard a guess at what percentage he was kicking at. <laughs> oh, 35. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 40%. So, like, not. Yeah. Wow. You know, That's the flashiest. Interesting, he was kicking in the mid-70s overall, so he could kick yeah. a ball. We just yeah, maybe should have switched left, it up to the left. Well, he didn't it, really it was probably because the Reds are scoring all their bloody tries under the post, though, wasn't it? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, Quaid's probably knackered himself out sitting up all their tries. He can't actually get handed it to kick a ball. Yeah, <laughs> Although he did slot a droppy, didn't he? Oh, yeah, later on in the match. That yeah, was pretty good. Okay. Had another wee moment on the 35-minute mark that you got involved in, Lockie, actually. I think the Reds had a wee breakaway. And, I mean, I don't want to say the word cynical, but uh, certainly a tactical penalty given away from you. Yeah, I think I did it twice in this game as well. Yeah, that they were hot in attack and you try and get in there and turn the ball over and slow it down, but just uh, ended up sort of flopping over. I mean, it worked out well for you. The Cobbs were screaming for a yellow, but yeah, you knew what you were doing. You got away with one. Slowed it down enough and then let it go once we were sort of back, I think. But um, yeah, got away with one. Yeah, I mean, that kind of almost rounds out the first half. Doesn't quite. There was a wee moment I thought you were going to get some space down the left there. You kind of had a wee ball popped here, but I guess that was kind of where the... I think what I think what happened though is was that was that ruck where I had the ball was that where I got clobbered and then I like wasn't really in great shape after that so I sort of almost couldn't even run by the time I got to that point I only stayed on for another minute or two before I got to it you could tell it kind of came out to you and you're like yeah now this ain't happening I'll just kind of chuck it in and waddle over yeah I got absolutely hammered in the left hip and then like could hardly I was on crutches later that night Jeez. Which was um, quite annoying because it was the end of the season, so it was hard to drink a beer when you're on crutches, but yeah. managed. I figured it out. <laughs> no, I mean, if you if you can't, you'll be in for a long night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did, am I right in saying you went into the game with a bit of a hip niggle? Or was it- uh, no, I don't think so. I think oh. I was in, in form there. I remember, I remember having amazing, because like, this, is, this is one of the memories as well that I really love looking back at is how – I could take a bag of rugby balls and go on to like these most amazing, you know, rugby fields in the world and practice and kick the ball around with no one there, you know, like Alice Park and Eden Park and places like that and Suncorp as well. We had the place to ourselves, just me and Steve and, wow. um, and Luke and whoever else. I think Benson used to come and kick a few punts down the field. And so I just, yeah, spend an hour out there kicking balls, you know, like that's that was just awesome. Can only imagine the scenes watching someone with the thighs of Luke McAllister slot them over at Ellis Park. <laughs> yeah. They must have been going well, he, 100 yeah. metres. He could pump them out. Do you have he a favourite stadium to run about at? Um, I don't know. I've got a, a lot of amazing memories at Eden Park, obviously. Um, really enjoyed my time up in Toll Stadium and the I found the 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 old um, the old Jade Stadium is like a very imposing, oh, very imposing place to play with like that huge high stand on whatever side of the field it was. And I was so young when I played there, you know, I must have been nineteen or twenty before the um, earthquake. And it was just like because Canterbury been so good through my all of my youth as well. Like it was intimidating for me just because of the story of Auckland versus Canterbury to be down there. And we um, we had one awesome game there down there, won the shield with with Auckland, and uh, nice. that's made the the whole memory of it a bit nicer. But man, that was an imposing place to play. Like, really, sort of took your breath away walking out there. Like, wow, this place is incredible. Yes. What game that would have been to look back at. <laughs> yeah, that was with Auckland, though, not the Blues. But it was uh, yeah. you wouldn't have been able to talk about it too much because I think I came on in the seventy ninth minute just to. Uh, <laughs> Stand, stand at 10 for one play and then we kicked I it mean, out. So. I did find one <laughs> Auckland game we started against Canterbury, but unfortunately it was one of those games you talked about just before, one of the tougher hooks just, I think. Yeah, Canterbury no, did, they, a, did a Canterbury that game. Canterbury, such a dominant team. It's what's so incredible here in France. It's like, I don't know how, but no team dominates like that. Like, um, 
Yeah, right. I think we'll be good for a couple of years and then and then they'll sort of fall down the ladder a bit and it all sort of rotates and comes around, goes around. But yeah, um, someone like Zealand, that. just they just they just dominate, they're good all the time. Is it is it Bear Rats that had Yash Feely and Co back in the day? Like they were yeah. one of the top teams sort of 10, 15 years ago and now yeah. they're nowhere to be seen. Yeah, well they dropped to Prodi Two, played a lot of games over there through my career in Prodi Two and then they've actually they actually won um they won their way back up to top footing with that incredible penalty shootout in the, yeah, in the, so uh, and at the end of last year, which was amazing. Just of course, amazing. Gavin Stark involved in that match too. Yeah, South yeah. Jago lad. Shout out to exactly. him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and Francis Ailey as well. Oh, a few Lots of Kiwis running a mic over in that part yeah, of the world. It's a good promotion and relegation sort of system in France, isn't it? It's sort of yeah. different to how it is in New Zealand. It's tricky. Yeah. I, I think about this quite often, like how New Zealand could be more interesting. Like yeah. how, for example, like 2012 with the Blues, we were we were terrible. We didn't win any games. We won like three or four games. But like you're just so drawn because there's no drama. You're not going down. You just come back next exactly. year and try again, try a bit harder, guys. But here, you know, you get to that point and there's so much, like, so much drama at the bottom of the table, almost more than the top. Like, it, yeah, because, yeah, going down a division costs the team so much money and changes the whole plans for the whole thing. And uh, I think they've got it right now. So one one team gets automatically demoted and then the winning team from the division below goes automatically up and then there's a playoff between the, the second place team and the second to last place team. Because too often the teams would just switch like back and forth and back and forth, whereas yeah. now you've to go up, you've really got to be a better team. So it's um, they've really cracked it here, and it's been like this for a long time. And yeah, I don't know how because we have you know in the NPC we have the the Premiership, the Championship, but it's not like you know teams play each other inside it, and I don't know, I don't yeah. really know what the solution is. If you come up with it, it'd be great because it's it's phenomenal drama here, and the way team the way fans follow their teams because of it is better. I mean, they always need to go so, back to the old days of like three divisions. Just yeah, yeah. But then, but the then we have in New Zealand the, over here. The divisions got too far apart in New Zealand, so the teams were never winning that promotion relegation game for years. You know, like Northam was winning no games, but they were winning every promotion relegation game. I think, or the other way around, it might have been Southam was. I can't remember what it was. It's but, just um, different, I think, with the funding. It's just not the same as it is in Europe, yeah. um, investment wise, and because here it's private ownership, and yeah, a random exactly. guy can just buy exactly. it and, and run it because your because your current league is um your current league is also part of that promotion uh, system isn't it i mean the whole french comp the whole like french you can rugby. go buy a team yeah. that plays like neighborhood games against whoever you can win that league go up you can win the next league go yeah. up and you can keep doing that until eventually your teams you know the stade francais or the racing racing That's metro like or whatever it. and like it's sort quite a similar. phenomenal thing to like yeah, sort of it's, all it's these clubs kind similar of similar to to soccer, isn't it? Football in America. Yeah, I mean, like the, the FA Cup where we play these random low grades against the uh, Yeah. Oh, do you have cups like that over in France? Like no, nah, you don't. There's too much oh. argument anyway, you know. The boys yeah, play 30, 30 games and then six European games every year in the top flight. And yeah. Party two is 30 games a year. You play, like, especially the nines and the tens, they ask you to play 30 times in the year. So, yeah, you must have some tired bodies at the end of that season. Yeah, it's. It's pretty crazy. Compared to what, what sort of 10, 15 you get in Super Rugby. Like. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's yeah. way more than New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand, yeah, very different, very different. But, like, I've loved my time here in France. and It's quite weird because this year, like I said, this was sort of a peak for me, this 2011 game. But um, it was only six years into my career, you know, and I've been in France now for 10 years. So it's uh, 
pretty pretty weird to look back at that and say like yeah it wasn't it it was like a third through my career it's, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem like that long ago. It feels like, like yeah, it almost doesn't. Yeah. Decades. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like you, yeah, exactly. you've had a longer career in France. Now you would have been over here. Yeah, had ten years here. Really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, we'll see. See if we play another year or not. We'll wait and see what these guys want, and then after that, trying to figure out what my next job is. Probably not going to do coaching. Get into something a bit different, but um, yeah, take a break from footy for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. I still love I still love the game. I don't follow it like as passionately as when I was young, and more um, um get more stuck into following the NFL and stuff like that. And then just a family man now, flat out with the kids. So nice. don't watch too much. Don't watch too much footy. So I can't really imagine myself getting into the rugby side of it. But who knows? Maybe on the um, executive side of the of the ball. Yeah, maybe once you're not going out training and bussing and playing like five <laughs> yeah. six days a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, you, you managed to find this uh, dusty podcast, so you must be somewhat of a, of a regular fan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But what this really served was this like throwback element to these guys yeah. that are sort of new. And I don't know. I like the idea of being a battler, you know, like like I said, a little bit like oh, like kind of any sport I can do, I can do okay. But then. Oh, I mean, more than I, okay I, from reading up on you. I think you're pretty handy with the old <laughs> hockey stick and baseball bat back in your early days. Yeah, well, I used to do a bit of all that. And I was trying to figure out what to do, whether I might, might go to the, go to America and try and do college college baseball or whatever. And that would have been fun, but like it's so competitive over there. Whereas like rugby, you can make a living. You can make a living in these leagues in France and these leagues in Spain, these leagues in wherever, you know, like there's and even in Germany and out in. Romania lately there's places to go make money playing rugby and it's pretty it's pretty crazy I mean yeah. I don't know if you ever played with Matt Maddich at Northland I'm not sure if he was there during your he time he was a little bit younger than me no. yeah um, I was gonna say he ended up at Paraguay for a season so yeah <laughs> wow some interesting places you can wind up yeah yeah sure um, no, it's, it's pretty amazing and like yeah like I said reasons to be limited in terms of my athletic Athletic ability was more like hard work in that. Got me to this point and done 10 years of battling uh, here in France. Been been playing for like 17 years pro now, 17 seasons pro. So it's pretty, uh, pretty That's phenomenal. That's impressive feat. Yeah, yeah, when David Smith came to my team, we added it up and we're like, when did we last play together? And it was, yeah, 17 years ago. <laughs> and there's guys in our team that are only 17. So. Yeah, wow. got a few of the old Kiwi uh, fellas running around over there. You got Joe Tanua as well, I saw. Yeah, Joe Tanua as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's actually, it's great to have a good foreign crew as well. And obviously I'm lucky I've been in France long enough that I speak French and can have French mates at the same time. So got got the foreign crew, got the uh, the Frenchies that we can hang out with as well. And like I said, the life down here in, in the air is just uh, amazing. Like it's uh yeah, it's a mid-January day today, which is like theoretically mid-winter, but it's like absolutely sunny as out the window. And go take the dog for a walk after this and enjoy it. Lovely. Can't blame you. And it's uh, very central as well, isn't it? Like you got UK, everywhere else, reasonably yeah. close by. So. Yeah, rugby, rugby kind of ruins that because you can't get around that much with games in yeah. the weekends. You get you get a bit of time throughout the year. You really do your big travel just for a month in summertime. But um, yep. it's awesome because a lot of our friends come down from London to visit us and Nice. Obviously, tons of Kiwis living over there, and, and it's cool. Got a mate coming down next week, actually, and we're going off skiing in the French Alps, which will be nice. Got to go and that'll be an experience. Got to go and get my skis waxed after this, and we'll be ready to go. Living the yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Jeez, not getting that over here. No, <laughs> not at the moment. 
Um, did you oh, want to man. run us through back to the uh, match, David? Do you want to see Chris Lowry's meat pie? Probably one of the yeah. highlights for the Blues. Just before the um, the end of the first half, I suppose, wasn't it? Just forty minutes, I suppose. Um, just on the on the hooter, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of. Just as Lockie's waddling off to get his crutches, Lowry. Yeah, well, he scored the try, and like it sort of felt like we were in it after that. Like you score right on half time, like the All Blacks always did, and. You're like, oh, yeah, we go, bit of positive. And, you know, you back in it a little bit. Everyone's yep. feeling a bit better about it. Half time, you know, no one was like yelling and screaming because of that. And felt like we still had a chance. Yeah, it was a pretty good try. Just sort of ran through and, um, and dotted it down. But, yeah, so what was it? Seven. What was the score at this point? Yeah, 15 7 at 15 the half. 15 7. Yeah. So definitely not, still in it. It's not bad. Like the way um, you definitely had probably more of the position and territory at this point. It's just the mm. Reds were. Lethal on the counter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, second, the second half was when the Reds really, well, Rod Davies particularly, really um, lit the competition alight with his yeah. uh, with his tries. But of course, you were off at this point, so we won't go yeah. into as much detail about some of them. But we'll brush over the key points. Yeah, the first try for for Davies was a forty-seven minute one, I think. Yeah, of course. I think the Blues almost got themselves back. They got up to fifteen ten at one point because McAllister yeah. stepped up from about fifty-five yeah, got a big, out and big night, nice and straight. That's good. Okay. I mean, if you were on the field at that point, were you stepping up from there or a bit past your range? Um, no, I think at that point I could kick it about that far, but it was uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be these days. <laughs> got about forty-seven meters on the on the max at the moment, but oh. um, nice. It's not too shabby still. No. Can, yeah, get it adjust. Uh, but yeah, of course, he absolutely smoked that over. We've got another perler of a line from the commentary team. One of my favourites of the day was uh, McAllister's definitely cleaned his shoes. We might see him out on the town after this. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with Kearns and Co. <sighs> Gotta love it. <laughs> but of course, after that, it kind of brought us on to Davies try, as you mentioned, Toby, if you want to talk us through that. Yeah, it's a lovely pass from Cooper off to Fyanga, and then he just essentially lays it off to uh, Rod Davies, who just uses his incredible pace into the right corner and dots it down for another try. It's the second one of the of the game. Um, pretty, in the end, it was a pretty a reasonably straightforward play, but um, just the pace of, of Davies, which is what essentially got the try in the end. I mean, he was, as he'd already shown in the match, he was pretty rapid, and he just showed us another example then, so... Yeah. I mean, I think the coaches of the Blues, I don't know, you'll have more insight, Lockie, but it looked like they thought maybe that was a turning point as they made a bit of a wild change and put Chris Smiley on a bit earlier than usual. Yeah, I, don't know I how mean, that Smiley got at that point in time for you, but. Yeah, it's a good point. He wasn't playing heaps with um, smiles, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something a little wrong with Albie or whatever because Albie created that try for Chris Lowry at the end of the first half as well. Yeah, I thought he was having a good game. Like I said, he had a phenomenal year. So, yeah, I mean, at some point you've got to change something, try and get a spark. And Smiles is more of a a sort of um, contact-based number nine. You know, he could run over people a little bit around the fringes of the rucks and maybe that was what he was looking for, a bit more aggression and go forward and as well as obviously a good pass. Yeah, I remember scoring a ripper of a try for Otago back in his younger days. So he definitely had a running game about him on Smiles. Yeah, good I mean, man, Osmos. I mean, next moments I kind of I've had was another wee Dick of the Day nomination from your mate Jared Payne, actually. thought he had a good outing, but this was not his smartest moment. So he had a, not the first time in the match, he tried to run it out of your own in goal, 
but for some reason, instead of running, he's trying to chip from his own five-meter line. Oh, Digby, you are, and he's obviously scooped that straight up and just about gone over. So, I was yeah, wondering what no. old Pedro was thinking with that one. Oh, Pedro, like, he's so talented, though, as well. Like, you know, he, he believes in himself to do whatever, you know, like another day you do that, it would work. And you try and get back in the game, you force the issue a little bit. And, like, uh, I mean, yeah, another day it might have worked for him, but. Um, yeah, even you look back at things like that in the heat of the moment, you think it's a good idea, and then yeah, then all of a sudden you're nominated for Dick of the Day. So yeah, I suppose if we'd have, you could pull it off. If anyone could have, him, of course, gone on to be a oh. British and Irish lion. He's, he was fantastic. Got... That 2011 year, he was fantastic as well. Yeah, he's great. I mean, yeah, the next kind of thing after that, pretty much a phase or two after that, was Toby's mate Rod Davies again. Yeah, run us through that one. I mean. T- I don't know if you remember too much about hockey. It was a bit of a just stock standard try. A few pick and goes from the big boys rolling their sleeves up and kind of flick it right. Quaid does what Quaid does and sets up a wee three on two and Davies is in the corner. Yeah, I was listening to the highlights about that. They said it was the first ever hat trick for a Reds player. Yeah, that's oh, wow. some which stat, found, actually. Which I found bizarre. It's like they've been around for plenty of time. But Has yeah. there been any since? I don't know. I, yeah, I think I Scott Higginbotham might have got a bag to hat trick at some point as well. Oh, Jesus, Scott Higginbotham's bag to hat trick. That <laughs> is a great piece of knowledge. But it might have been for the Rebels, so I can't remember which one team it was for. But, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I know he just, has at some point. I mean, up until this point, the Reds, I mean, I'm surprised they ain't got a hat trick, but at the same time, they were kind of the whipping boys of the competition. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Not as much as like your cheaters and, I mean, my beloved cheaters, rest in peace, their Super Rugby uh, history. Uh, <laughs> force as well. I mean, Reds were not a top quality opposition. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, not too much other points after that. A few substitutions on. Stowers was on. Rene Ranger finally got a chance to actually run the ball, but <clears throat> Anthony Flyanger was trying to do his utmost to stop him. Yeah. Put a shoulder on, but... I think when he got a bit loose at one point and got Payne down the left side who just had a blow up and just oh, dropped yeah. one as well where he sort of had a bit of space. That was a shocker, like, actually. <laughs> Because even throughout the game, like I mean, when, maybe when the drop kick went over a bit later, it sort of felt like sealed. It felt like sealed, but it didn't feel like it was over over for most of the game to me. Oh yeah, he definitely were one play away, as you said. A painter mm. held onto that might as well have gone in the corner there, and you're back in it yeah. with a few minutes to go. Because we'd played so well the season as well, like you could sort of see us coming back from whatever. Because we'd had a few great comebacks throughout the year and. And games that were tight that we'd really battled and, and won. So, like, we had a bit of faith, but, yeah, it didn't end up, it didn't end up coming out. Yeah, I mean, when you got the likes of Ranger and Stowers and, I mean, the rest of your team on the park, anything could happen at any point. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, it didn't quite turn out and Quade Cooper set himself for a drop goal. And Yeah, I mean, not the quite all she wrote. I've got uh, well, 70 minute mark. Toby's favourite point. Have to bring one of these up every match. The good old dive pass counter. <laughs> every, every match is a dive pass. Smiley's the candidate this week, so you he got did a lot of that. He used to do the training as well. Get up off the ground. <laughs> Love it. You don't want to fill in at halfback and try we dive pass out yourself. I always liked playing a bit of halfback, but um, but yeah, it wasn't too many. I don't I don't know when I last threw a dive pass. Probably when I was about seven, into a big pile of mud at training. I'd say for a bit of fun. Oh, we fair enough. I mean, the Reds had a wee TMO check at one point. Big Adam Wallace Harrison, who was fresh on the paddock, almost got over. But I think it was McCartney got in and stuck a mitt in there. 
little bit of a try saver, but hey, not too yeah. much else went on. McCartney, the freak, he had a great career as well, been in Ireland, um, came across the island with um, Pat Lamb and uh, did really well, had a great career and uh, he's all done now back home uh, selling houses in Auckland. Oh, love to hear yeah. Whatever yeah. we know from him from the game, actually. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was he not a hooker? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he came on for Charlie Farmer Weeder in this game. So, really? I, I don't know how that No, works. you're right. Yeah, he, he could do both, though. He, he was an absolute, I mean, he was called the freak, but he was absolutely, like, strong as an ox. He was unbelievable. And, yeah, he just he just was extremely good at scrummaging as a as a scrummaging hooker. And then, yeah, he could play on play prop as well. Oh, nice. Definitely a valuable asset for the side. Very valuable. Especially in the day. Was it 22 subs or 23 you had then? I can't even remember. But I think probably 22 at that stage. Definitely a valuable asset. don't know if either of you had any more points about the match. I mean, I had a uh, dick of the day moment, but I'll save that for when we brush over them. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me, to be honest. It was, yeah, that's essentially it. The end of the end of the game, it was um, 30 points to 13. Oh, I suppose uh, we should bring up our uh, Breno Ranger had a wee one-on-one with Quade Cooper, actually, which I thought was going to only go one way. But <laughs> yeah. somehow Quade held on. Yeah, the they definitely overhyped it. I saw the replay. The was like, just proud of him like he was the son. Like, oh, he's yeah. held on. Brilliant. Yeah, then you see the replay. He's gone straight to the ears and kind of slid down from there. Right? <laughs> you right got to do what you got to do, do, man. You can't if, – if Ranger ends up on the ground, he did the job. <laughs> Fair play. I mean, yeah, as you said, Toby, did you want to round out the final uh, schools and whatnot? Yeah, so that obviously the final whistle, the Reds came away with it 30 points to 13. And I've actually got an attendance here for the, the final crowd figure. I think it was 44,900. Yes. Big go. attendance. Must be one of the, yeah. would that be one of no the wonder, No one they were a bit tight. Couldn't even, <laughs> see all the, couldn't even see all the red and yellow chairs, I guess. That's typical Australian rugby, though. Like when they're winning and doing really well, they have. Quite big crowds. I mean, think about the Waratahs 2015, also same thing. Yeah. They had the biggest crowd of all time in a final. Um, so there's a big crowd. And then, yeah, so that, that ended it up. And obviously they went on to play the final against the Crusaders and, and won that one as well. Um, Maybe yeah, that round when they won. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, that was some game as well. That one thing. Will Gideon wiped the floor with them. Oh, that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, Never been to the old OB's common room for that one. I was... Everyone was up on their feet. Yeah. Of course, a bunch of uh, Dunedin lads, they were only going to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, anything but the Crusaders. Um, so, yeah, that was it. So then I guess if you want to move on to some quickly brush over some dick of the oh, days yeah. or, or best plays or whatever you want to do. Right, I suppose, I mean, the quick moment of the match, I'll start with that. I don't know if you two had bought one, but I hate to say it, that try of that Quaid set up, particularly the dummy, that was that was something special for me. I mean, the feed wasn't yeah. bad on you either, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're um, listening to this, just whatever you do, don't go and look it up. <laughs> no, I'll be ch- sure to chuck a link when I uh, put the episode out. <laughs> you might put it just as your thumbnail. Just don't ever watch it and don't like it and don't anything uh, and definitely don't send it to me on Instagram, please. We've got some uh, funny questions actually um, that oh. have, some of your mates potentially have sent in, so we might have to oh, go. go over yeah. that. Uh, yeah, we'll do uh, the quick dick of the day and man of the match, and then we'll. Do those questions because <laughs> they definitely need touched on. Um, Toby, did you want to start with your man of the match? Uh, Quade Cooper on this particular occasion. Some pretty poor goal kicking from him, but didn't really matter in the end because he did it set up 
a fantastic try and just his general overall play with his um with his dummying and his stepping obviously is incredible so it's got to be him my close runner up with rod davies obviously he scored a hat trick uh, very fast and uh there's a couple of other options out there but yeah in this case i'm going to go for quaid yeah i mean much the same here quaid's my number one he kind of everything he touched turned to gold apart from his kicking this game and davies did get a hat trick but it's kind of pick and choose between those two but i've gone quaid i thought lowry brett and alfa were the best of the blues but yeah, yeah have- Stevie looked good actually. I I saw that as well. Do you have anyone in mind for your man of the match, Lockie? I'm not sure if you want to give one out for this, but no, no. I <laughs> I, I mean, especially that that start of the game when I was watching, when I was enjoying it before the first uh, intercept try. I was like, yes, yeah, Stevie's looking sharp. Made a really nice break down the left and ran the show all right. And uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, all right, moves us on to the deck of the days. Toby, did you want to start us off? Have you got no. one? Just commentators again every week, same thing. <laughs> because we're, all we're doing is watching Australian uh, Australian broadcasting, and it's just the same team every week. So it's got to be yeah. them, surely. Right, uh, I've actually <laughs> possibly a bit of bias towards having Lockie on the pod. I've, I've avoided him in the conversation for this one. So yeah, it's not the only one. I've actually really gone for the bloke who I did just nominate for Man of the Match, and that's Stephen Brett. So at one point, Blues are hot on the counter. Tries to step through a wee grubber on the left peg, and he's just missed the ball completely. Yeah, I just, <laughs> so I thought that was it was something. About the only mistake he really had that game, to be fair to him, but he had to get something in there. Do you have any yeah, mentions, no. Lockie, or are you going to chuck yourself? No, 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 I'm going to definitely give it to the. Uh, I'm going to definitely give it to the commentators. They were, I don't know, almost like bordering on bullying. I'd say what they were saying about me. Oh. That's just what oh. they. That's just what they like, isn't it? Yeah, it just brings yeah. a tear to the eye. What they've said, just <laughs> yeah, it's just not on. Because Bias I mean, always. The, being seen in the video a lot is the worst. But then, uh, yeah, the, when you get the quotes as well, that's just adds to it. I mean, just calling you a wimpy winger, like you're much <laughs> actually, more than that. I actually knew that one until today. But yeah, that's terrible as well. I don't like that. I'm really sort of quite a wimp in the same sentence. To be fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, uh, yeah. Some of these questions that your mates have sent in, though. We've got a few from Instagram, which we've kind of brushed over as we've uh, went over the pod, but there's a few more to go if we chuck those forward to you quickly. If nice you want to start off. us off, Toby. Well, we've already covered off your um, favourite <laughs> position. You mentioned that you, your favourite position was fullback, so thanks for that, Sammy. Um, but I guess the next question there for you was a bit of a mild one to start it off. There's a couple of interesting ones here that I'm sure will be relevant to you. Um, favorite set play that's from our from our friend Max who's also been on the podcast um, I used to love this one we did from like a right hand side scrum and you'd stack up the 13 and the 15 right behind each other and the 13 would come in on like a really hot line the 15 would bounce out and you'd put the winger behind the um, the winger going wide behind the 13 and the team would just get like a little sharp return ball off the 13 coming in real hot and you could get like a really sort of tight turn of the corner and normally a gap for the 10 and then feed your winger or have space to run to the line. Obviously, my favourite set play is always going to be one that sets myself upright. So. Yeah, it'd be I very not to pick that. Yeah, I love, love that. It. I love that move. Good start. I right, um, suppose we'll come over to me. A uh, question I had was not such a, well, I mean, a lighthearted one, but probably not from your end. Go over that that head clash you had with Brendan Leonard and that lip injury you got during your time in France. They were, yeah. I mean, pretty looking gruesome. Back at, looking back at all the head injuries, I mean, the Brendan Leonard one was a big collision, but I was also able to 
to get up and walk off after that. And I've been like reasonably lucky throughout my career. My head knocks haven't been like a lot of symptoms the next days and that sort of stuff. I've recovered reasonably well. And I guess that sort of makes you hopeful that there's not going to be too much drama going forward. But like, it's a scary thing. And like when I've now got, I now got a little boy, he's three years old and I'm like, yeah, he comes to watch some more rugby, enjoys rugby. But like, I, I don't know if rugby is where I want him to go, considering like what happens when you, yeah. like the guys get yeah. bigger and bigger. He's not going to be too much bigger than me. And like, how's he going to deal? And I don't want to see him getting going. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, I mean, it, I guess you sort of, you have these injuries and you, you become accustomed to them like they're normal, but then that's not a good thing either. And I'm actually doing a bit in my masters about it. Like what is the solution for rugby? Where can they go to with, with head knocks and other injuries and player welfare like that? Because it's, it's um, like, I don't like to think about how many I've had in my career because there's way too many to list them on a, on a thing. The one with Brendan Leonard was worse for him. He ended up not, not well and stretched it off and, went to hospital and that sort of thing whereas I was lucky enough to get up and walk off from that one and uh, and then being the stupid young guy you are I think I was back playing next weekend so it's um, that, that sort of thing when you look back at it yeah I really regret it like uh, I wish I'd been able to have the foresight but you feel so, under so much pressure to get back out there and yeah it's a dodgy part of rugby and I'd like to see there's already been improvements with um, the HIAs and that sort of stuff but I'd like to see I'd like to see more improvement where it gets to a point where uh where yeah, that stuff can be really minimised because it's not a it's not a nice part of the game. Nah, definitely not. Nice, it's good to hear. So you're doing some good things around it nowadays, though. So. Yeah, it's moving the right direction that. for sure. <laughs> so you uh, study, you're doing some study, are you? Um, on the side. Yeah, well, obviously, got a rugby dream will finish at some point. So I'm doing um, I'm doing masters out of um, Massey University, and the last paper I'm doing is a like, oh, professional nice. practice thing where you where you have to sort of put into play something from your workplace and obviously my workplace is rugby so i'm just trying to come yep. up with some kind of idea and and you run with cool. it a bit write a bit of a thesis kind of thing about it and that's where i'm now another another messy uh university <laughs> two messy university people yeah i mean I've, never, never been been here, I've just done the whole thing by distance but uh, yeah so <laughs> <have> <laughs> Nice. Nice. I suppose that brings us on to some of the colourful ones, does it? Yes, I've got one here. I've got one here for you from Alex Dodds. Um, yeah, Dodds, he actually told me and sent one in as well. Tell us about your brief history as a night filmmaker in Bordeaux. Yeah, well, when I got to Bordeaux, like I was, I was twenty-five, and I was, you know, come off um, a good couple of years in New Zealand, came over to France as like a young man, you know, to to live in Europe, and I. I got led astray, mostly by Dodds, to be fair. He was not a good um, influence. He'd have me out way too much. And, uh, yeah, too many beers, too many Snapchats, being silly with the boys. And, uh, yeah, it, it definitely affected how I went at Bordeaux there. Like, I, I didn't get too many opportunities, but I didn't put my best foot forward. I was I was too, uh, I was, I don't know, enjoying life too much, to be fair. Just uh, drinking beers and making friends and whatever else. It was, uh, it was a crazy time. And then I was lucky to end up in Lyon after um, a big wait, basically right to the end of the season. I got a good contract, and well, not a good contract, but I got a uh, I got a contract anyway to go up to Lyon, where we had a great season, and then that sort of kickstarted my career again because uh, I could have been back at the Tony Fire in 2013 if uh, that hadn't happened. <laughs> oh, I mean, that went in a direction I didn't think it would go, and it's a, a much more positive one than I thought it would. <laughs> so, really pleased to know that. 
Sounded um, a bit dodgy to I mean, start with, but that was the last of the rugby questions. This was in from Pabs on Instagram. He said, uh, "You've taken your fair share of bump offs yourself, but who's the biggest player you've managed to bump off?" Oh, I like I got once on Smashed and Bro when I came flying off the wing to tackle Rudy Wolf, and it looked great, but in reality, he went to go and his left foot slipped as I got to him. So the tackle looked like it was this big tackle, but it wasn't really a big tackle. He just had a big slip. But got on there once, got on Smash and Bro once, tackling someone. Got on Smash oh, and Bro a few times, getting tackled. But um, but yeah, that'd have to be the it. biggest uh, collision I ever won, I guess. I mean, speaking of massive collisions, it doesn't so much involve you, but I, it just did bring to my mind a massive hit on Luke Hamilton, I think you were playing in that game. Yeah. I think uh, Fritz Lee just about took his head off in the game. I get sent that. I get sent that. It's probably the number two after the Quake Cooper step. It's probably the second thing I get sent. Because, yeah, it's like a quite a poorly decided chip and chase, but we're down by a bit in this game. And the ball bounces back to me, throw it inside, and then he gets absolutely close, like by Fritz Lee. But, um, yeah, I mean, fair play to Luke. He hopped straight back up. Yeah, it looked like he was ready to go over for a try. Also, you can't see it from the TV angle, but he could have just done a little pass to his right to someone to spawn to the post. So, kind of bored on himself. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Um, Yeah, Toby, swing it back to you. I think we've got, like, two more, maybe. I think I've got a couple here. Yeah, I've got um, one from Jamie Hagen here. Um, Can you give us an example of your famous Irish accent? (laughs) <laughs> so Jamie's my uh, Jamie's my Irish mate from um, from Bezier. Played with him for a few years there. Yeah, it's gonna say I need no, that. No, I don't want to offend too many Irish people, but he would. I sort of always wind it up. I'd have to say thirty three, thirty three, and just count that, and then I could basically <laughs> go anywhere after just saying thirty three. Love it. Do the I rest went, of the pot in Irish for us. <laughs> yeah, I went to. Uh, I mean, I don't want to commit to it and uh, and cock it up, but he uh, he took me home back to Christmas because I. The family was in New Zealand, so I went over to Ireland with him and really honed it for a couple of weeks while I was over there in Ireland with him. Really enjoyed it, and it was uh, it was a fantastic time. Love Jamie. He's a good man, and uh, he's had a wee baby over here as well, so congrats to him and his missus, and um, hopefully get down to, to give um, a wee Frankie a cuddle soon. Nice. Big congrats Excellent. to Jamie and the family there. Then. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, I'm one test, one test Ireland... Uh, Island guy actually played. I thought a, I'd heard of him from somewhere. Yeah, he played in. Um, he played a test match against the states in uh, Texas, and he'll be the first to tell you that he met JJ Watt on that um, trip. So, well, I mean, can't blame him. So got to hold it. Uh, the last question I've got. I think you've got this one too, Toby. But uh, this one's only going to go in one direction. It's a story involving fireball and the seventeenth hole of a. Uh, some sort of golfing Damn. course, I'm imagining. Yeah, this That's was, from Jordan Morris. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, this was quite recent, actually. Jordan's um, Jordan's the brother-in-law of my brother-in-law, and they were down here for Christmas time. I actually had to drive to Barcelona to pick them up, which is like about six hours, because the borders between the UK and France closed for COVID. So I zipped down to Spain and picked them up and brought them back for Christmas, which was great. We managed to have our have our Christmas here in the south. We played a game of. Uh, golf and uh yeah my brother-in-law sam was really very tactical with his with his assignment because we were, we were able to assign these two shots of fireball per round and he threw <laughs> them both at us on this very narrow very narrow par three and i got a bit rattled because the little bottle you'd take the cap off and there was a plastic bit and the plastic bit fell straight down my throat as well so i'm trying <laughs> to drink fireball and also almost swallow this piece of plastic and two shots 
the fly ball and obviously shanked it left straight into this river and then Jordan and Sam won. So that's why, <laughs> I mean, that's why Jordan's asking about it, isn't it? Because he won. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't let him live, live the, uh, that one down if I was. <laughs> yeah. Fireball's a recipe for disaster. That's all we use for our court sessions. And yeah, yeah. yeah no, there's a reason for it. We've got big plans with it coming up for the ski trip as well. So oh, there we go. Oh, nice. Let me just keep you nice and warm at the very least. Oh, yeah, I love exactly. it. I think it's great. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I think it's pretty much all the questions um, that I've got. Oh, I've got one more, sorry, um, from Rick, who I'm assuming is a very, a very uh, hard Northland fan. How did it feel to represent Northland? I my time with Northam was awesome because I, I actually have family that were from Mankaremia where Midwestern was based. So I came up there, lived there. My my young cousin Finn, who was God, he must have been like twelve or thirteen when I first got up there. He got married just two days ago as well. So congrats to Finn. But like I lived in this little community with some of the other players in the house as well. Adam Clark, who played um, for the Force back in the day. Toby, you might remember him, and he. Um, like the the atmosphere was awesome, and then but by, by that time, like I, because I played all this club rugby, I was like really well like adopted basically by the Northland community, and I absolutely loved my time. We had we had a couple of fantastic seasons with Tony Five, and the the results when you might look at it don't seem impressive, but like we're a bit of a battle side, and we batted above our weight for for a lot of it, and played some like fantastic. Rugby won um, a fair share of games. One one game that I remember especially where we won. Like eighty five uh, five against against Manawatu. Yeah, I saw the highlights of that one. Which was a, which was obviously just a, a run around in the sun on uh, on a beautiful Northland day, and uh, that sort of stuff sticks in my mind. Really enjoyed my time at Toll Stadium, and yeah, like when I go back to New Zealand, I'd probably I'd probably be more interested in uh, chucking on the Cambridge Blue than trying to get a run around with Auckland. So. Oh, just nice. yes, love. Sure, um, I love to hear that. Yeah, love. Like honestly, I would like really appreciate what Northern did for me, and especially um, the coaching up there really looked after me. And uh, yeah, it all it was uh, it was a great experience. I mean, they almost kickstarted your career off the back. Of, I think it was twenty ten. You were kicked. Yeah, had a great year twenty ten, and then that was when I got blues following that. So came down for twenty eleven. Nice. Um, you got any more, Toby? Or that? That's it. I've got that's all the questions I've got. Oh, Have you got any more? As we can round it out there, uh, we're definitely not professional when it comes to the rounding out part. We usually labor <laughs> on for a fair bit. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, cheers so much for coming on, Lockie. It's been great yeah, to get a bit of insight much. from your perspective. Sorry, we kind of set you up for the choice of game. But... Uh, no worries about that. Sorry for blabbing on a little bit, but um, yeah, man. Oh, no, the more the like I said, I really enjoy the page, enjoy the, um, enjoy the podcast as well. And uh, yeah, it'd be good fun to have a couple of my friends hear about this and make fun of me again, I guess, about the game. But uh, thanks for just bring those moments straight back into the nah, night. It's been, it's been. I mean, like I said, it was a bit of a peak in the career, and it was nice to look back at it. And uh, where I am now, living in France, got a beautiful partner over here, two kids, and uh, we actually got another one on the way as well. So it's, it's just really, oh, I, mean, I can't be more grateful for where for where I am and what rugby's given me, and um, just yeah, it's brilliant. Excellent. Yeah, feel free to drop Lockie a follow on the old Instagram and send him some clips of this match if you haven't already. Yeah, just I'm sure he'll love you for that. Just don't. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Thanks very much for uh, for joining us. Um, I'm sure we'll, Ben's probably got some more guests line up at some stage. Oh, um, I mean, we'll try. He's always got a. I mean, you broke our uh, guest that. virginity, really. I mean, other than <laughs> yeah. Max and Jesse. We'll see. We'll see who else we can get involved. 
But uh, yeah, yes. I mean, you go enjoy walking your dog and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah, it is beautiful today. Good thought. But, uh, All right, we'll thanks very much. See you next week.